I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of Vaughn World, and I'm your host, Adam Campbell. It is great to have you. Today I'm being joined by Dorian Gray. How are you, man? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm stoked that you're on. It's, this is going to be great. We're going to, at the creature feature, the tail end, we're going to be talking about uh, the book you uh, released just a little bit ago, Sin in the Skin, Observations of Human Nature Through the Eyes of a Career Tattoo Artist. And uh, I'm not far into it because I just started it uh, after finishing some other books. But what I've read so far, a couple chapters, uh, I'm digging it, man. I, I like your style, but we'll we'll get into that <laughs> at the tail end of this show. I don't cool. Wanna, uh, I don't want to blow my load or <laughs> I got to hold out. Oh, think about Roseanne Barr or something gross. Um, <laughs> it don't is August it. 9th, people, and we have a great show for you this week. Uh, I do have to say this is traditionally the Down to the Crossroads week. Uh, Aaron cannot join us. I am very sad about this, but we're going to have to find a way to move on. And we wish her have the, the best sexy female voice with you this time. Sorry. Yeah. You're going to have to do something about that. <laughs> Punch yourself in the junk, raise a pitch <laughs> yeah. or two, something <laughs> to, to get that. Uh, How this? Oh, that's creepy as fuck. Yeah. What that is. <laughs> oh my I can't do it, man. I can't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's see. couple notes here. Uh, let's talk about the show really quick before I dive into some notes. Uh, we're going to start with the nine cents letters. Now, this was sent in by one of you listeners, uh, and it's it's based around the idea of using a satanic pseudonym. Darren Deicide and Aden Arden are going to be addressing this directly. They're recording it as we speak, and so it will be uh, compiled together as this is released tomorrow. So uh, you guys are going to love this. Uh, those two together are... <laughs> Bananas, I guess is the best word to describe them. They're crazy, but they're wonderful people, and uh, I'm sure it's going to be a wonderful uh, segment, so tune into that. Uh, right after, we're going to do a little Infernal Informant. I got two articles here. Donald Trump, quote, I cherish women. And Dark Knight Rises Theater Shooting, U.S. Gunman Kills, I'm sorry, Gets Life Sentence Without Parole. And then, uh, of course, as already mentioned, we'll do the creature feature and we'll talk with um, Dorian here about his uh, his new uh, book. Uh, so right before we get started, a couple notes. Uh, the past couple weeks, we've been doing a Nine Cents listener survey contest. That's still going, and this is the last week. So I'm going to do a bit of a push uh, in social media starting this week, just letting you know everyone who wants the opportunity to win a Nine Cents contributor t-shirt uh, by simply filling the survey out, uh, you know, this is your last chance to do so. So we've gotten uh, on or around 50 people submitting it so far, which I, did. I guess, yeah, I saw that one. Um, 
I guess it is pretty on par with what I was expecting. Uh, the comments, you know, last week I was joking about how you know, I was getting shit on or I, you know, I was, I was the worst of all. It's, it's not, not really the case. I like to joke about stuff <laughs> like that. The reality is, is everyone has been overwhelmingly positive. There hasn't been a lot of like honest critiques about uh, like negative uh, commentary about what this uh, is, which is nice. I mean, it makes me feel pretty damn good that we're doing something decent here. Uh, but we do like hearing how we can improve so that we, of course, will improve and you'll enjoy it that much more. So uh, let us know what you think if you haven't already and uh, expect to see that. Um, a quick note, though, you know, as you're signing or as you're filling these out, there's a little notice at the bottom saying, would you like to, uh, you know, be a member of the email list or would you like to have your email address a part of the email address for uh, nine cents listeners i've added a field on the home page right there at the top if you want to get email notifications about contests or uh live events it's not going to be a regular monthly distributed email anything it's really only when something significant is happening so it's the best way to stay up to date with what is happening in nine cents the reality is, is in social media uh, you are not going to always see everything I post or or every notice simply because one there's so many other people in your feed but also these uh, these social media companies they filter because they want to make money, uh, what you see. And so you're going to see a lot more business uh, ads, like paid advertisements, less stuff from uh, those pages that you follow, like Nine Cents, for example. So, if you know, again, if you want to continually stay up to date with what Nine Cents is doing, um, on the rare occasion we send out emails, this is the best way to do it. Uh, so sign up at the homepage if you haven't already. Um, and then again, if you did submit the contest, chances are you're on the list anyway, unless you specifically opted out. And I think only one person did. So um, keep that in mind. I only and, wanted um, the shirt. What's that? <laughs> I said I only wanted the shirt. <laughs> I didn't want to tell you guys. I don't even listen. I just want that shirt. You know, so, uh, did you get an opportunity to tune into the Get to the Voices episode last night with uh, Witch Zaftig? I did not. I was working at the time, and I was kind of hoping it was maybe on YouTube still. I haven't. Well, it's not, but it will. Ah, be. I'm going to be okay. repackaging it and releasing it again. But it was oh, cool, awesome. I mean, there was a. a, a bunch of people tuned in uh a number of them contributed i guess it was difficult finding the q a like it's like an app or something wow. <laughs> on the youtube page or something i don't know uh, but what i saw was different what you know everyone else saw so i don't really know how to how to fix that without having a third party is like a backdoor secret <laughs> like whispered <laughs> in my ear anyway uh it, it was it was fantastic we'd planned for an hour we ended up going to and uh, Witch Zaptig is such an amazing woman, and she was so wonderful with all of her candid responses. There was a lot of lot of laughter and it, it, just entertainment throughout the entire thing. It, it wasn't just like this sterile uh, experience. I mean, she is really, really, really great with riffing back and forth, and uh, we just had and a she's got a sexy it. voice too. So yeah, yeah, she's got a really great voice. So. Um, <laughs> So that's going to be released soon, and I'd like to thank everyone for contributing that did contribute to that. We're going to be doing those for some other ones, I, and you just mentioned uh, Warlock Mandrake. Uh, I have uh, already reached out to him, and we're putting together times that, that work with both of us so that we can do the same thing with him, and it's cool. going to be really, really cool. 
So uh, look forward to those here in the future. Let's let's go ahead and dive into a little nonsense letters. Though I am an active member, I do not speak for the Church of Saint. Hi, I'm a Denner Dan, and I'm gonna read this awesome little letter. Oh yeah, I'm here too. Oh yeah, I'm here with Darren. <laughs> Darren from Agent Provocateur, and I'm from Militant Eroticism. But for some reason, I think everybody knows that because we are famous and awesome people. I'm not sure about the. Oh, the, the no, I am sure about the awesome one. Yeah. I'm not so sure about the famous thing, but. <laughs> You're uh, not allowed to part is indisputable. <laughs> You're not allowed to disagree with me. All right. So this is a letter that Adam sent us. So here it goes. Adam, my question is actually more for Aden and Darren and possibly some of your other contributors. I'm wondering about some people's reasoning and timing for using a satanic pseudonym. I know that Aden and Darren do not use their birth names in the satanic community. I've kicked around the idea of adopting a pseudonym so that I could be a little more open about my affiliation separate from my public persona. I have some affiliations in my everyday life that would be very much hindered if it was discovered that I was a Satanist. I was inspired to ask this question after reading the news article on the main COS site about that Dutch newspaper interviewing a Den and Darren. So for people that use a pseudonym, when did you first start using it? What parts of your life do you exist in each name? And do some people get to know you as both names and personas? Have you ever run into an issue where you are at place with people who know you as a different, know you as different names uh, came together? Thank you for your time and keep up the great work on the podcast. I've been an avid fan for a few years now. Hail Satan. And this is from Mitchell. All right, Mitchell. Let's talk about this. All right. <laughs> Darren, well, he mentioned public persona, so I'm wondering if he's somebody who's in the arts or has some sort of hobby or talent or some, something that they're doing that's exposing them to the public. Um, in which case, it comes pretty damn naturally, because for me, <laughs> my first, uh, the synonym I have came as a nickname that was given to me, so it sort of chose me, I didn't choose it, and it came very naturally thus as a stage name when I started doing music. So, that's when I started using it, and that was over ten years ago now. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> You're old. Yeah. Wait, I knew you ten years ago, you old fuck too. I started using my name ten years ago too. <laughs> yeah, so use your pronouns correctly. We're old. <laughs> I'm twenty-six. <laughs> yeah. Twenty-six year old fart. Anyway, uh <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, so it's been, been about over 10 years. Is, I guess we, we both answered that question. <laughs> answered it just now. <laughs> I, I picked mine. I, I did research and picked mine. Um, mine is, uh, it came from this uh, biography of my favorite poet, Arthur Rimbaud, and it was called From a Den to Our Den, because those were his two favorite places in the world. And a den in like um, uh, Christian mythology was built, it's a town in Yemen, and it was built, I'm sorry, not built, it's, I think it was built by Cain and Abel, and that's where they're supposedly buried, right? So, um, and then Ardennes is a region in Europe where the bloodiest battles in human history have happened. 
Um, all the way till today. All the way to today, that's right. So, uh, yeah, but I, I chose one. I had a nice ring to it, and then because I'm a fan, I'm, not, I'm sorry, I'm not obsessed with Okay, let's fucking face it. I'm obsessed with sex. Because I'm obsessed with sex, uh, the Scarlet Nation. <laughs> Were you doubting that? <laughs> uh, because of my line, Darren. I'm not obsessed with sex. Everybody else is. I'm obsessed with people. They're obsessed with sex. Yeah, you keep telling yourself that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> So, <laughs> well, welcome to our world. The garbage men are here, ladies and gentlemen. Exciting stuff. All right. You fucking predicted that, too. God damn it. I did predict that. We suck at radio. Good <laughs> God. Hey, no matter <laughs> what. Who no, tired us? What were they thinking? No matter what room we would have been in, we would have heard that. Even <laughs> if we were in your house. Anyway. So... Yeah, I, I chose it to kind of separate. Uh, I like the idea of a double life, and uh, and I, I wanted to do things that I didn't want my family to know about. So I'm like, I need a fake name. So I mean, the stuff I was doing when I was a teenager, it's best that my parents didn't know. So yeah, I think I chose it when I was 15 or 16, because when we met, I introduced myself uh, as that, and you introduced yourself as Darren Deosan too. So yeah. Um, my legal name is something that I keep completely separate from the synonym, mostly because I've had a lot of different professional careers, and Darren uh, <laughs> Deicide isn't very marketable to an executive. <laughs> Hi, sir, I'm Darren Deicide, and I would like to work for you. This is my hit called Napalm Death and Fire. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine me sitting down and interviewing and look at my book. There's a naked man on it. There's me getting fucked by Satan in it. Look at this. Hire me. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of this, I would definitely, if this person has not read it, refer them to Satan Speaks essay, The Art of Invisibility. I think there's a lot of relevancy there. Because in that, Anton LaVey references another book that uh, talks about the principles that surround the art of invisibility, which are expectations and uh, timing, and that, uh, that you can exploit expectations and timing to a degree in which you can be either very visible or very invisible, and the duality of having a pseudonym allows you a tremendous amount of flexibility in that arena, where you can suddenly be completely invisible, uh, or be very, very visible, I think you could probably say, as someone who's doing public things with a pseudonym, that you could do certain things to your dress that would make you completely invisible just because of expectations people have had about your work, whereas if you wanted to be very visible, I know for myself, if I walk around Jersey City and I got the hat on, and then I'm carrying a guitar especially, I'm just going to run into seven people on my way to the grocery store and yeah. be like, hey, what's going on? And then when I see my car pent out that I have to do a double take, they're like, oh shit, that's him. <laughs> hey! <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then my phone booth around the corner, I jump in, put on my fedora. It's not a phone booth, it's a porn magazine stand. <laughs> you have to stop lying about this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, people people associate a, your, a certain name, your name, with a certain aesthetic, and it's funny how you can just change your clothes and no one will recognize you. Mm-hmm. Um, my, as a, my legal name, only my closest friends know, 
um, in or uh, in or out of the church. And I, my family knows about both names. Now that I'm an adult and I'm on my own, my family's really curious about my private life. I let them in on the whole again thing. And um, my God, did they have fun with that information? <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's really it, it comes in handy if you want to do things you don't want your uh, professional side to know. No network knows. Um, when I was in college, no one knew about that, and it can, and it, and you can kind of it's like a mind split. You know, I'm one personality in one place. The way I'm at work, I'm very different than the way I'm outside. Same with school. But, uh, the one time I brought a coworker to my apartment, he was shocked by all the stuff. He never expected to see any of that, um, or to learn anything about my interests. And the most I think is a bit odd, because you know, I read a lot. <laughs> Which leads to the question of do some people get to know you as both names or personas? You all feel that? I'll feel? just stare at you until you're awkwardly until you decide to go ahead and answer that. Oh, yeah, okay, sorry. I keep forgetting when we're, we're doing this and not just talking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> This is everyday yes. life, folks. This is, <laughs> this is just the kitchen nook every day. Yeah, pretty much. Um, no, yeah, some people get to know me as both, and to me it's like an honor. So when um, people that know me as a den learn my legal name, to me it's kind of like, all right, you're on, you're on the inside now. You're in the inner circle. It's a big compliment. Yeah, it's truly a sign that someone knows you. If it's someone is in your inner circle and they, they can kind of identify you as both, I mean, like, yeah. all aspects of both of those personalities. What's really funny is when you're hanging out in a group, and some people only know you by your legal name, and some people only know you by your stage name, ah. and they're looking at you like, which one? Yeah, so <laughs> you're inadvertently answering his third question. Right? I thought that was the most interesting one, because my roommate is kind of like, like, last night he had a guy over, and he didn't introduce me. He, he has, he's giving me this look like, which name do I use? I don't know what to tell him about you. <laughs> so I have to kind of introduce, to me the safest thing to do is just to introduce yourself. Mm -hmm. And kind of, like, it's it's supposedly rude for your friend not to introduce you to a new person, but these are, these are special situations. <laughs> <laughs> you know, on the theme of, of invisibility and expectation and, and visibility, if it does happen to come up, in a situation where you don't want a person to know the alter ego, you can just really quickly pass it off and divert the conversation. Oh, like, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, it's just a nickname or whatever. Yeah. Um, but if you do all, all of a sudden, you know, give somebody the, the finger across the neck, like, what are you doing? Then they're gonna, it'll just make them fascinated by what this other person is yeah. or this other name. That's a good way to pick up people, because then you just become really mysterious. Or maybe that's just me, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your dad? Uh, or, or no, no, what I really like is when I bring uh, people who only know me by uh, my legal name to my house, and they see my book on, on the shelf, they're like, oh, what's that? I'm like, oh, some crazy podcaster that I've heard once or twice. They're like, oh, what's the book about? I'm like, I don't fucking know, he's some crap book. <laughs> it's, um... So yeah, you can have some fun with it, but it's it, it can be uh it can be tricky to get, keep those lines drawn because they can blur a lot. Like when my family visits, they're like, they'll ring my bell or ring you know yours an accident, and they'll say my legal name, 
and, or the neighbors on accident, and uh, they're like, who? <laughs> Who's that? Like, oh shit, yeah, we forgot. <laughs> so it's it's. I think it's almost more to to have control over it. It's more crucial to protect your legal name. Yeah. To keep that as private than the other one. Because the other one, yeah, eventually, if that is going to be your cover, I assume that's because the legal name needs to that that identity needs to be protected from the alter ego. So. It's important to, to keep those. I remember one time I had something from my professional world laying out in my place. Just a little negligence on my part. Mm-hmm. And the person just saw it and grabbed it and was just, their eyes bugged out of their head and they were just like, is that you? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's someone else. And then, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't got any suits like that. Oh, God, no. As you have one, as you have one hanging above your bed, <laughs> ready for that night. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely, I, I think that uh, keeping that, that part of yourself very secure is important if you intend to go down this route. And what it, it also it also depends what you're trying to achieve from this alter ego. What it, what I think that's something worth thinking about before we're just thinking. And it's it's I, I know it's kind of a pretentious move to go ahead and be like I do to hereby declare myself that you know Jesuit Azmedai Jewish <laughs> Moses Devil LeBay the eighteen thousand. <laughs> 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 Don't pick that name, it's copyrighted. Yeah. It's mine. <laughs> you won't be feared amongst the people. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, especially since you mentioned that you it would uh it probably get in the way of your career or your career goals. And really even if you have no creative goals and you just want to interact with other Satanists safely in uh, social media. Um but most jobs nowadays look on Facebook and Twitter and Google Plus and all that stuff. So, me personally, I have my legal name. I have an account on everything, and it's very basic, but it's very clearly there. My email is there, my phone number is there, everything, so employers can find me very easily to distract them from um, the identity stuff. Because sometimes, the, I... I found that both come up in the search. But I use very wildly different photos. Like my legal ones mean very nice, very normal, and then the deck is all crazy and shit. Mm-hmm. So even when I put even when both come up together, it's kind of like nah, you know, they don't really you think they're two different people because of the laws of invisibility you brought about. Mm-hmm. Um, but so even even if you have no creative things that you want to do in Satanism, or have any projects that you would put out to other Satanists, just to be able to safely interact with is a good enough reason to have a fake name. Um, like I said, especially if it's going to get in the way of your professional life, especially if it's really coordinated or academic or something. Like if the people that I want to work with found out about a then I'd be, I'd be locked up in the places I want to work. Yeah. <laughs> or just, just take it all down. I mean, that's one approach, but, you know, there is, we live increasingly in a in a society where uh, surveillance is sort of ubiquitous and um, privacy has no value anymore to these Americans. 
a very, very different kind of American in that respect. Uh, but the, you, you can, you do have control over your privacy to a huge degree. Yeah. Uh, you it's don't. Lost. Oh, it's lost quite a bit. Technologically, though. And what sounds And you do if you turn everything off. It can. Social media is an important tool. Or at least if you like for career wise, even in, in a you know, in a squares world. It's an important tool for jacking up and wasting time mostly. <laughs> but I mean it can be an important tool in the other respect, but you I think that that you could still tailor things in such a way where there's you can only allow privileged access instead of just yeah. putting all your nuts out there and being like, here you go. Yeah. <laughs> like, my it's, like I said, it's, I don't, the only things I really talk about on there are accomplishments, networking with other people in my field, and my family, and that's it. And it's like technical control. It's simply there to be like, here, here I am, professional people. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, just like me leaving out those, those, uh, there's uh, materials that expose what I do in my professional life that that person who only knows Gary Deasai saw. It's, I think, important to be able to pick and choose those things that exist in the virtual world as well. Yeah, and, and like I said, part of the plus is it becomes a living complement. But when, when you said, what part of our lives do we exist in each name, it's, I prefer, even when I go back to Michigan and hang out with old friends, it's no. I'm a den. Everybody calls me a den. I, I only really answer my legal name at work or in, or when I was in college. I never hear my legal name on a Has have the crossing of the streams ever really inhibited um, something? Because like, that's something I think he's trying to get at in his letter that he's really trying to find are ways in which accidents can be avoided, in which perhaps. Somebody found out about it and an opportunity was lost. Uh, I've never had that happen to me. But uh, let's let's put it this way: it's best to be prepared for these kinds of accidents. Like like me, what I you know, my, I keep my creative accomplishments out front of stay around my house. So if someone that's not supposed to know about them and I forget to hide them, um, I just kind of laugh it off, like oh yeah, some kind of crackpot. So, <laughs> you know, it's not like my photo is plastered on the cover. So I'm just like, oh, yeah, some kind of crap out here, and they take it off the hands free <laughs> and throw it in my bedroom. <laughs> um, it can happen. It, it, you just have to be very on top of the game. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. You, you have to, it, it requires dedication and uh, stamina. That's what I'm sure. <laughs> you have to have the energy for it. Um, and uh, yeah, you, it, I think also you have to keep a very nice tight inner circle of people who understand what's at stake. If uh, if you have really good friends, let them know the importance of that separation, so that they can be complicit in the secrecy of what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, you have to have people who understand the importance of it because most most of the time, like I know some of my friends think it's silly that I work so hard to keep a double life, um, but they at least understand enough to why it's important. You know, when I go for a job interview and they see me doing something in in the 
from the Washington Post uh, by Elise Wiebeck, released today, August 9. Uh, Trump defends record on women's issues, saying uh, Kelly remarks were misunderstood. And uh, the line changed from my, these notes. That's weird. Uh, Donald Trump says that he values women and that only a deviant would believe that he was referring to menstruation when he said that Fox News host Megyn Kelly had, quote, blood coming out of her wherever, when she questioned him during Thursday's Republican presidential primary debate. Trump, speaking Sunday on CNN's State of the Union, sought to repair the damage wrought by his comment. The billionaire was disinvited this week from the Red State Gathering as influential conservative event uh, amid a backlash that has raised questions about the future of his candidacy. Was there ever really a future to this guy's candidacy? <laughs> like... You know, I would say no, but I, I've been hearing about he's going up in the polls. It's insane. I don't I don't know if it's just because people want something to laugh at or what, but yeah, it's <laughs> really I, fucked up. I missed the actual um, debate itself, but I did see one clip on YouTube about it. And wh whatever he said, people just it was like a roar from the crowd. They were so excited uh, and happy with his was, his approach. It might have was it the Rosie O'Donnell comment? <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, what a lunatic! It's, it's I mean, granted, wild. she's not my favorite either, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's crazy. I think like people just seem to be amazed by his honesty. I guess, although I I, I can't say it. not everything that I think comes out of his mouth is very honest, but yeah, uh, and, and certainly backpedaling on on the. Uh, I cherish women thing. Um, yeah, right. And I don't think anybody's buying that. Well, here's this is kind of where I wanted to go with this discussion. I mean, it, we could sit here and just riff on how weird Trump is or some of the bombastic behaviors he exhibits and, and, and things he says. But I'd rather I like this idea in in politics where you have to appeal to everyone and you have to tiptoe. Why does why does it matter if if he likes women or not? Like, right. Here, here's and I'm, I'm not trying to shit on women here. Uh, it, it's just the idea that you have to appeal to every single type of person in the planet in order to have a successful chance. At, what what is? Well, that is half of them, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> my my point is that rather than trying to appeal to everyone, how about you just prove that you can govern? And that should be the only thing that matters. You could be a, a wild, uh, rabid 
anti-everyone. But if you are good at governing, that's all that should matter. If you act, like, your personal beliefs mean less than shit to me. If you are a, a good businessman or if you're a good, uh, uh, I don't know, I mean, that's it's a good question of, you know, what are the types of uh, traits that you want in your um, in your governmental leaders, your representatives. And I would say... Well, I think that's a thing that you got to remember, though, is that, like, you know, you're looking at it from a perspective of um, what's sensible. <laughs> the Most of the, of the American public is not necessarily thinking about what's sensible, obviously. I mean, even yeah. from a religious standpoint, you know, there it's... I mean, I don't know if you said you didn't get to see much of the debate, but one of the final questions that was asked to everybody on the all of the uh, the guys running was um, have you heard anything from God about this recently that was a what? legitimate question yeah that was the last question asked all of them and they all answered have you heard a message about this from God and every one of them of course lied and said yes I you know whether it's <laughs> I hear from him in prayer or you know Donald Trump was one of them too so I mean you know oh there's God. there's sensibility. That's sensibility for you right there. Oh, I mean, my it's... God. Uh, oh, that yeah, makes me so, so mad. I didn't know. I've never even heard that. It, no one's ever, like, I haven't seen it in the news or it, anything. It's it's crazy. It's crazy that they, but I mean, then again, and it was, it's Fox News and it was only the Republicans. So, you know, the majority of <sighs> them are going after this Christian vote, whether they actually are, are believing or not. They know that they have to say certain things to get the Christian vote. And so, of course, all of them were like, oh, of course, you know, I, I, I prayed about this and God said I should run. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, oh <laughs> it's fucking God. stupid. God got really screwed up his scheduling. He told everybody to run. <laughs> <laughs> what a dumbass. Oh, that guy. So, yeah, I mean, when it, when it comes to Trump, like, you know, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, or, you know, whoever is running, I mean, it, it should be based on how well they can do the job. But unfortunately, I mean, when it comes to, they're all playing the game. All those politicians are playing this game of what's going to get me, you know, first they got to get obviously to be, you know, the main candidate and then focus on getting an office. So right now all of them are just saying what's going to get me there, except yeah. that Donald still tends to just say stupid, crazy shit. <laughs> but people are so floored by it because they're like, I didn't think he would actually say that, but he did. So Yeah. It's absurd. <laughs> I, I I you know, a lot of people complain that um our politicians try to cater to every single type of person and they don't realize that that's what we're asking them to do. If we just changed our approach saying, I don't need you to appeal to me, I need you to do a good job, then exactly. they wouldn't have to do that. Like they're doing it because they have to, because we make them do that. If yeah. we just stopped the fucking nonsense, then we could all move forward in a more progressive way and not necessarily progressive politically way, but progressive as in uh, a moving forward in a positive way for the process itself, uh, not necessarily the political side. Yeah, it's, it's weird, man. I, I just I I've never thought of any of these candidates uh, for me, the Republican candidates as like legitimate candidates. They they're all sort of right. <laughs> like cartoonish caricatures of themselves, like of what a politician in the extreme right afraid of 
you know, losing some sort of religious right vote or down home, uh, you know, guns, God and government uh, sensibility. They're just so terrified. And to see them sort of doing this two step up on stage, you know, trying to pretend that they are the most folksy. (laughs) It's just absurd. Exactly. It, it, It is ridiculous. And of course, you know, I mean. There's certain things like you know yeah you know you gotta you gotta watch what you say some things that it, they they could lighten up on but I mean when somebody does say you know how do you feel about women and that's like fifty percent of the world's population then of course you know obviously the I guess the importance behind the comment is um, if he whether he doesn't care does or doesn't care about women is you know once he gets in office how is he going to treat them now I don't I don't know if that's necessarily uh, I don't know how much that's an issue anymore. I mean, as far as I know, we still have equal rights, but <laughs> you know, yeah, ish. I, I think, yeah, ish. I, I don't think I don't. Yeah, I mean, I but I don't think I don't think Donald Trump, if he got the job, I don't think he's going to go in and say, okay, from now on, uh, women don't have equal rights. You yeah, know what I mean, yeah. so I mean, I'm moving it know, down to fifty cents to the dollar. They're not getting seventy anymore. <laughs> uh, they're not really worth it. Their vaginas bleed, and uh, it's a mess. So. Yeah. I did. I did think it was kind of funny. I don't know if you saw this in the in the article, but um, Megan's response was, uh, "Here's my sick humor." Her response was, "His comments were inappropriate and offensive." Period. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. <laughs> I like I like this quote too that he gave. He said, uh, "Quote: When you're negative on women's health." You can forget about it, he said. I'm the exact opposite. I cherish women. I want to help women. I'm going to be able to do things for women that no other candidate would be able to do. And it's very important to me. Whenever you say (laughs) stuff like this in reaction to being, you know, uh, called out, it makes you sound more guilty. Like, there's no way this ever comes across as, oh, oh, he was just misunderstood. I totally see. He does really want to (laughs) help us because we are incapable of helping ourselves. You know, I would, I would, if I was a woman, I would be so offended, not from what he originally said, but from his attempt to justify his position. Yeah. Like, yeah, it'd be more respectful if you just own up to it. You know? Yeah, like I, it, I misspoke. I didn't really mean it. I was just, you know, speaking off the cuff. And sometimes you say yeah. stupid things. I know that. So I think just people own respect it. him more if he goes. You know what? I was just, I was being a dick. <laughs> you know? Yeah, seriously. Like, okay, cool. I get that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh, and I know it's a but little I, early. I kind of feel like he does this with a, a lot of topics right now. Is it, ever since he announced that he's running, any kind of topic, he's he says, you know, I would do much better. I would do things that nobody else could. do. Never says what those things are. Yeah, you know when it when it comes to different wars, when it comes to our economy, when it comes to women, you know, I, I can do things for them and nobody, no other candidate can do. Like, the fuck are you talking about? You know, I never. He's hear. really good at giving <laughs> orgasms. Maybe that's what he's talking about. No one else can give orgasms with their hair. I can do that. <laughs> yeah, this is too weird. Um so are the you know not I, I don't care if you're a Republican or not but is there any of the Republicans out there uh, that are you know vying for to be the candidate um are there any that you would like to see in the final um in the final race to the presidency? I I don't know. I mean, honestly, like I, I can't think of anybody on either side that appeals to me at all so far, yeah. you know, and I mean, I'm not I, I certainly don't consider myself either because, I mean, there are 
I have certain views that are right wing and I have certain views that are left wing and yeah. And uh, usually whatever works best in my favor. As soon as I become rich, I will be 100% Republican, I promise. <laughs> but, but otherwise, it's just kind of like a little from this side, a little from that side, what's working out for me. But, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, so far, everybody's just kind of got this little uh, edge of lunacy to them. And it, it, it's, it's like a caricature of the whole situation. Like, okay. it's hard to take anything really serious on it all right now. Hell yeah. All right. Let's do this next article here. Um, hold on. I'm just going to redirect, but it didn't actually redirect me. Uh, this is firstpost.com, uh, posted today, August 9. Dark Knight Rises Theater Shooting. U.S. Gunman Gets Life Sentence Without Parole. Um, okay, so uh, the American gunman who stormed a Batman movie premiere and killed 12 cinema goers escaped the death penalty Friday, but will spend the rest of his life behind bars. A Colorado jury failed to unanimously agree on executing, or I'm sorry, on execution for 27-year-old former graduate student James Holmes, obliging the judge to impose a sentence of life without parole. Last Monday, the killer had been convicted on 12 of murder in the first degree and scores more charges, including murder, attempted murder, and explosives possession. But defense counsel argued he had a mental illness and urged jurors to show clemency, an appeal apparently committed by at least one of the panel of nine women and three men. On each of the 12 murder counts that could have merited the death penalty, Theory said in a statement read to the court, quote, We don't have unanimous final sentencing verdict on this count. District Judge Carlos Samore thanked jurors for their service. Set August 24 to 26 as the dates for Holmes' formal sentencing. All right, so what do you think about this? Um, do you, uh, and obviously everyone probably remembers this from when this happened mm-hmm. uh, in uh, 2012, but uh, he, there is no, there's n- no, arguing that he was the one that did this um, no, no. it's 100% proven everyone you know was saw him arrested uh, the life sentence issue are you in favor of, of keeping people uh, locked up indefinitely or no, hell no just any right you know death penalty yeah I mean for for one thing it's one thing if like if there's some way if there's a shadow of doubt I mean, we've heard stories about people who were wrongly convicted, and, and fortunately, you know, science is getting better, better at, at that. But I mean, when you have, there's a shadow of a doubt, and not only did he, you know, murder these people, he doesn't have remorse for it, and he is, they, they're now claiming mentally ill. Okay, well, if he's mentally ill in the sense that he will kill people, he is absolutely no use for society at all, and he's just basically a financial drain now. Yeah. So there's no reason to 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 keep him, and, and you know I, I can't help but think of the tie to the uh, to the last topic there. Um, if Trump would, would argue that the problem was that there was nine women on the, on the jury, <laughs> they were bleeding. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Maybe that's what happened. But yeah, I, you know, like I don't know. There there was some kind of sympathy, and and um, I'm not I'm not a person that's a hundred percent sympathetic to certain things and especially when it comes to I mean the the mental disorder is a is such a, a vague a mental disability I, I suppose is, is such a, a vague uh, blanket I, I have a daughter who is autistic so I understand that there's mental 
everybody has their, you know, their own problems here and there, but, um, to just hide under that and for people to just say, well, you know, that's instant excuse to say, no, they should get to live because they have a mental issue. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's not sensible to, you know, and well, again, we're going back to sensibility, of course, but right. it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't help our, our society in any way to keep that person around. And if anything, if they're really, really tortured, then it should be maybe be looked at as sympathetic towards that put them, put them out of their misery. You know, I'm actually a hundred percent in line with you here. It, it drives me crazy that we would rather drain our system of uh, resources in order to keep them alive and in a box, than just end it and move on. How, how is being mentally deficient in the moment of the crime being committed help those who died there's a child that was murdered by this guy and Mm -hmm. he's just going to be able to sit in a cell educate himself if he wants to uh watch tv if he wants to uh maybe even get online because that's a possibility uh but for the rest of his life and just just and he doesn't have to pay for it yeah, it's just, it's it's insane to me. We have people that would like to have uh, opportunities like of of have a meal and a regular roof over their head, and and they're just on the streets, sort of drowning. Uh, obviously, I, I don't think they would prefer prison <laughs> as the form of the aid, but the money that's but, being put into that could be put so many other places to exactly. improve so many other parts of a society instead of just keeping this asshat alive. Well, it, and that's the, the flip side of the the flip side of the coin, like I was saying about, you know, uh, having certain right wing issues and certain left wing issues, whatever, like uh, I can't, there's no way I can understand, like that's just way too much to the left to say, you know, well, it's another human being and we can't kill, well, you know, so we may have to, <laughs> you know, and, and uh, this country has, I mean, we've got more incarceration here than anywhere in the world. It's insane much that we're paying for people who are not a use to society at all. And again, like I said, you know, I, I understand that there's room for people who like, maybe there's a question, maybe it's possible that they're not guilty, but we absolutely 100% know that this guy is guilty. Yeah. This doesn't make any sense. So I do want to I want to touch on um, pentagonal revisionism here really quick. I, I think it's important, especially in the context of the discussion. Um, uh, number three is no tolerance for religious beliefs secularized and incorporated into law and order issues to reestablish lex talionis. It would require a complete overturning of the present injustice system based on Judeo-Christian ideals. I mean. Whether we like it or not, we are in the exact opposite position of where we want to be with our justice system. There is no responsibility right. for the responsible. This is one of the areas that if we want to see a real satanic society thrive, we have to get behind this idea of lex talionis. We have to get to this idea. You know, if you do something bad, you're going to have a serious consequence that is equal to that thing you did. We have yeah. to do this. And locking someone up, you're not, you're not changing who they are. 
There's, there's no revision of their behaviors. You're not deterring other people from doing these crimes because he's fucking crazy. Crazy people don't care. <laughs> like, it just, it's, it's so, it makes no sense. And really all it comes down to are people who don't want blood on their hands for having sent someone else to their death. But guess what? Right. They made that choice. You're not making that choice. They made it. So yeah, can we just exactly. get past this whole sense of, I don't want to send someone off to their death. You're not! You're allowing them <laughs> to themselves. Like, yeah. can we... Uh. <laughs> All right, sorry. And, you know, I mean, really, like, I mean, how much it could benefit us, our economy, number one, not having to put taxes. Like you said, there's other areas we could put it in. Number two, job openings. I mean, about this. Uh, how many rednecks would be so happy to take minimum wage to be the guy that puts a bullet in the brain of <laughs> these people? Yeah. You know, I mean, it'd be, it'd be so it could be cheap. It doesn't have to be electric chairs, and it doesn't have to be you know these chemicals and everything. A bullet is cheap, and there are plenty of people that are willing to do it for us. And it would it would save us so much money and get rid of problems. But also, you know, like you were just saying, you know, as far as Lex Talionis in general. Um, for everything, for punishment that fits the crime, the watching the news feed on Facebook these days makes me sick. Just how many crimes that you see committed that people videotape. And I think if some of these people, you know, somebody stole something and the police picked him up, cut his hand off, then dropped him back off in his neighborhood with, you know, one arm missing. I think that would send a huge message to all the other trouble you know, other thieves out there that I don't, you know, and, and same thing with, you know, rapists, you know, <laughs> kind of Send them home dickless, you know, and see how many people really want to take that chance again. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that's the world I want to live in. Because I yeah. guarantee one dude loses his hand, it will cut down on the theft in an area immediately. People will be yeah. like, what? Okay, never mind. I like my hands. <laughs> oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, even if it wasn't just cutting, if you just busted the bones and, like, you know, took a hammer to his hand. That would yeah. be enough too. It, I like you just there has consequences. I was having a conversation about this with someone else. I I can't really think of it. But when I was in the military, I had a really shitty soldier that I was responsible for, and I did everything I could in order to uh, sort of get him in line. He needed to be as a soldier with his behavior. And the the reality is, is that the consequences that I was legally allowed to impose on him did not outweigh the benefit that he got for the behavior he exhibited. And if you don't have the consequences outweighing the benefit, then he's going to continue doing whatever the fuck he wants to do. Like, he, right. I couldn't take him yeah. out back and beat the hell out of him, even though there was this really one really great time where he was like, you know, rather than you give me all these counseling all the time i just rather you punch me and i like looked at him <laughs> and sort of tilted my head and i walked i stood up and walked over to the shop door closed it locked it i was like all right no i will tell you right now come at me just stand up and come at me i will never counsel you again this is what you want this is your chance to do it come at me <laughs> And he just sat there, like, because he calling his bluff. You don't want that. You, there is no consequence. You just will just continue your stupid behavior. It, it just doesn't matter. <laughs> and the same thing with criminals. And it is self-evident in life. There's no consequence or not a good enough consequence. They continue the bad behavior. So we have to do that. It's, it's, it's the only way. And we, we have to, in my opinion, 
collectively uh, have to refrain from seeing it as a satanic way of handling it, even though it is, it's it's the only logical way of handling it. As a human being, yeah. we have to do this. It's it's not a an if and or coulda shoulda feeling bad. It's just a reality. We have to do this if we want to change uh, the behavior. Well, and, and I mean, technically, even the you know the Judeo Christian basis. I mean, the Old Testament. If you if yeah. you go all the way back, you know, is eye for an eye. You know, so I don't know. You'd think more people would agree with it. And, and, you know, when you talk to people one-on-one, they all seem to agree with it. But then when it comes down to uh, following through, it just doesn't seem to happen for us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, let's uh, let's jump over to Creature Feature and uh, talk a little bit about your book. This is Darren Deicide. You starve for the facts, but you can't find them. You know you are tangled in a web of spin, and you don't know which way to turn. Join me as I broadcast Agent Provocateur from the bowels of the barracks, where we deconstruct global affairs, pulling up the ugly truth and smearing the hypocrisy in the faces of the masses. Join me only if you're prepared to question everything you may have believed to be true. And have a few laughs in the process. This is Agent Provocateur. So this is Sin in the Skin, Observations of Human Nature Through the Eyes of a Career Tattoo Artist. I'm being joined here, of course, by uh, Dorian Gray. Um, tell me about this book. What, uh, th- how did it come about? Why did you want to write it? What was the process like? Well, uh, the first thing I should probably share, and it's interesting that we're, we're talking uh, uh, that uh, – the other guys are doing the bit about the uh, pseudonames because uh, even though most most people in the Church of Satan know me as Dorian Gray, but my book is under my my actual name, David Wallace. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, of course, you know, I, I've been tattooing for 19 years now. And, uh, you know, just I, I'm interested in a lot of different areas and a lot of different, uh, I guess, artistic abilities that I have, one of which is writing. And I just kind of thought that I think my first foot in the door in the world of writing would be, you know, just to tackle a a topic that I I know really well. And I, you know, these are things that people ask me about every day when I'm working on them. You know, the book is both, it's mostly, you know, stories, but, you know, things that I found funny, but then I also included, um, a lot of there's history, there's etiquette. Uh, etiquette is kind of a big one. I mean, I yeah. have full chapters that are entitled things like, you know, how to piss off your tattoo artist and stuff like that. Um, so, I mean, there's there's uh, a lot of things that I guess um, I guess one of the major things that made me want to write a book is because of how trendy tattooing has become. Um, I feel like you know it's. I needed to speak out against uh, that herd mentality because there's too many people that, you know, they just want to all have the same thing and they're not putting any thought into the fact that uh, art, art is – there's no limits. 
you can you can tattoo anything you can paint and you can paint anything absolutely anything so there's no reason for any two people in the world to have the same tattoo but it happens all the time so that's probably one of the biggest issues in the book is trying to push originality and and uh and I guess maybe even like letting your artists work with you a little bit more. And unfortunately today there are a lot of people that are tattooing that um, are not artists and it's kind of scary. It's really scary actually. Um, And you know, because it's become so popular, you also have people who they just want to be part of the trend. So they want whatever's cheapest, not whatever's best. And, And so there's, you know, when I first got into tattooing, I mean, it was still for a lot of people, it was a lot more taboo than it, you know, still than it is now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people, I think once I got into it, you know, people would start to look at it and go, wow, I didn't realize that, you know, tattoos could be so beautiful because, you know, you, you kind of think of those old fashioned tattoos that are, you know, kind of, kind of ugly looking. And I think people just assume that that's what, what tattoos look like. And, and now you got people that have no, real art skill and no experience and no training and they're doing horrible things and it's just kind of dragging the name back down again so do you think think the the huge popularity of those reality tattoo reality shows do you think that surged the um the industry uh, with talent or did it do the opposite um you know what actually and i I actually wrote a chapter about that uh, in the book um, and there are there are negative sides to the shows, but in general, they've really helped. Um, I don't know if you watch any of them, but uh, you know, and I don't even know if I'm allowed to say na- names or anything. But there's a the main show that I, I still like watching. Um, it's called Ink Master. It's a competition show, yeah, and the reason why I like that show is because they never do trendy little you know these crappy little tattoos that you know are become the the tourist attraction tattoo they every one of them is is just super detailed and you know i mean some of the artists aren't good but i mean you know they are always promoting these big beautiful detailed works of art on the show i think um so that's the main thing i like about it there's there's a lot of things i don't like about them um and you know i mean i think just popularity in general it uh, it's got its negative sides and its positive sides, and you know the positive side has been opening people's minds to what's possible, but the negative side has been the trend, and you know one person getting you know the, I want a feather that's turning into a you know silhouette of birds flying away. Well, then you know how many times I've done this tattoo a hundred <laughs> times, you know, and and it's like come on, you know, think of something else, think of something original, or let me think of something for you. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's got blessings and curses, you know. I mean, it's, I mean, do you it's, think it, it, it may rely in, in the idea that people don't know that they can shop around for artists? Like, do you think that it's just they don't trust the artists that they're going to because they don't really know that there are options? Well, it seems like there's a couple different kinds of people. And, I mean, you know, nowadays – I don't know how your area is, but I'm in Los Angeles, so there's a shop every corner here, you know. But, um, you know, I think that there's there's two kinds of people. There are those people who are really serious and they want something beautiful and they will go talk to different shops and look at their art. And there are people that come there. You know, the other side, there's people that come into my shop all the time. They don't even look at my portfolio. They just walk in and go, how much do you charge? 
yeah. then when I tell them, they walk out. You know? <laughs> so, you know, it's like you, you didn't even want to look and see what I'm capable of, you know, so that that just kind of tells you. And, and that's a lot of people these days, especially when, you know, you get anybody can buy tattoo equipment. When I first started, it wasn't that simple. The first tattoo, the first really nice professional tattoo machine that I ever bought, the guy who taught me had to recommend me to the company before they would sell to me. And now Whoa. you can get tattoo machines anywhere, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it used to be a lot more, I guess, um, they were just really careful. Like, you know, there's, there's purists out there who, you know, wanted to keep the, uh, the industry strong as far as true talent. And, uh, a lot of them, like, I remember some of my favorite tattoo artists when I first started, the guys that inspired me, they wouldn't do interviews for tattoo magazines that would advertise equipment, you know, like, cause honestly, to be, to be quite honest, I started off with a cheap tattoo kit out of a magazine, but it didn't take me long before I got an actual apprenticeship and learned that all the stuff I had was garbage. And, <laughs> um, but you know, so it's interesting that nowadays it's just so big and there's so many people doing it that there's just tons of companies. Now I can actually, you know, occasionally when I'm out of equipment and I need something like some needles or something quick or gloves, there's a flea market two miles away from me that I go pick up stuff from. Damn. And it's it's good and bad. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like when, when I'm in a pinch, that's great. But on the other hand, it's like, you know, anybody can buy this stuff. And that's that's kind of scary. You know, I mean, when it comes to cover up tattoos, that that just keeps me busy, I guess. Mm. And when I do get to do quality art, it sets me apart. You know, when somebody's walking down the street with a really shitty looking, you know, home tattoo and they're next to somebody who has something impressive and real artwork, you know, it does set them apart at least, you know, and, and I'd rather be part of that crowd anyways and stick with, you know, being somewhat of a purist, but it, it's, it's stressful, mm. you know, because, um, I guess, you know, any job dealing with the public though is going to be, you know, I mean, ideally I'm an artist all around and you know when I'm happiest is actually when I'm home painting you know when I'm not dealing with the public but um, when I get you know somebody that um, is you know I get I get to meet a lot of cool people and some really decent ones that you, you know have a good conversation with and they want some they want my input and you know insight and sometimes I'll even listen if they come in with something that's you know a little too trendy that might listen to me when I say, Hey, you know, what if we did this and give you something more original? And, you know, you get people that go, Oh, you know, I never thought of that. And they're open to it. But, you know, sometimes that takes a little salesmanship to do that. But yeah. yeah. Um, so the book is sin in the skin, uh, published by dark moon press. How did that come about? Did you reach out to them? Uh, did they reach out to you? Yeah. Uh, I actually, uh, I kind of, um, Talk, well, I talk to Corvus all the time um, mm-hmm. through, uh, you know, social media and stuff. And uh, I actually did a little bit of um, proofreading for him. I'm one of those people on uh, Facebook that corrects everybody's grammar and spelling and oh, stuff. So I'm pretty good. at, at <laughs> So I'm good at catching that stuff. So I actually did a little bit of proofreading uh, for one of his books. And while I was in that process, I just said, Hey, what would you think about, you know, if I did this and Corvus was awesome, man. He was just like, you know, he, he knew that I knew what I was doing. He thought that, uh, tattoos, uh, fit dark subculture. And he, I mean, he pretty much just said, when it's done, let me know. And I even said, you know, do you want me to send you some samples to show you that I know what I'm doing? He goes, Nope. 
let me know when it's done and we'll put it out. Like he totally trusted me. So uh, that was really cool, you know, really good experience to uh, have him on my side. So, so have you yeah. written in the past? I mean, what what was the process like of of collecting up, and how long did it take to to write all of this content? Well, uh, I yeah, I have written before. I've had a few like essays uh, with you know satanic perspective put out through um, uh, like Draconis Blackthorn. He has uh, the Devil's Diaries. Uh, he's published mm-hmm. I think one or two of my essays before. And you know I used to do them on like uh, Letters to the Devil kind of uh, stuff. But um, I, I have stuff that I'm I've just been working on forever, and I think it's good. But you know it's kind of a long process, you know, anything from like fictional kind of stuff to I'm, I'm a sci-fi nerd and stuff. Mm-hmm. But for this, um, like I said, you know, the, the, this came together pretty quick because I think at the beginning of the year was when I kind of reached out to him about doing it. And it only took me a couple of months because, um, I, I talk about this stuff so much, you know, like, People come in all the time and they want to hear stories about tattooing. They want to hear, oh, what's the craziest thing you've ever done or anybody ever pass out or, you know. So I just take all these questions that people ask me on a regular basis and turn them into full chapters. So it really – this came together pretty easy for me. Other stuff probably would not, but I didn't really have to do a whole lot of research. I mean most of the research came through – from like looking up, you know, history and stuff. But mm-hmm. other than that, and I had a few other uh, contributing uh, tattoo artists, including uh, Storm Anderson. I know you know him. Oh, yeah, uh, some Storm. Yeah. So you know, I kind of there's a few other people that I knew that I just I sent them like questions to get their insight into it, and and uh, he was totally helpful, and his answers are probably some of the best ones. Um, but yeah, you know, it, so I mean, overall, it really. This is pretty easy to put together, only because it's what I do every day. Yeah. Um, like I said, I you know I'd like to. I have other things that I want to write about, um, but you know I don't think other things would come together quite as easily as this. But we'll see. I'm sure there'll be other things. Yeah. I've got other some other cool projects. I mean, I have. Uh, I'm going to be doing cartoon work for uh, Old Nick Magazine now. Badass. So. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And uh, I actually got a really cool project coming up. Um, I, I'm i not sure who all is going to be involved, but there's going to be basically a couple of us who are um, active members who are uh, – I know uh, Daniel Daniel Bird, Coffin Rust, he's going to be mm-hmm. involved. Uh, we're going to do kind of a, a art fusion project where basically three of us will each get our own canvases start doing a painting like a third of it then ship it to the other person to add a third of it and you know so forth so that by the end we have this painting that's done by three different artists and they each kind of twist the direction that it's going in to their own favor so it's going to be something something really cool very cool yeah i look forward to that that's gonna be awesome um so, Sit in the Skin is available now. Uh, what, what's the best place that people can go? Is it Amazon? Is it Dark Moon Press? Does it matter? Well, Dark Moon Press, I definitely um, I, I want to support Corvus as much as possible. But yeah, you can get it on Amazon. And, and actually, we are talking about um, maybe in the next week or so, he uh, is probably going to submit it for um, uh, uh, ebook. Hmm. Um, on Amazon so that you can get it on your Kindle or whatever. So uh, right now it's just, you know, it's a paperback. It's available through those two sources. But, uh, yeah, watch pretty soon. It should be coming up uh, uh, on your Kindle as well. 
Nice. So, well, yeah. I, I do recommend everyone pick up the, the physical book just because it's nice. I mean, you can get the digital too if you want, but I mean, it's nice having that uh, turning the page yeah, sensation absolutely. when you're reading. I think it's a really fantastic way of doing it. Um, but uh, yeah, so, you know, at the very top of the show, I was saying how much I loved uh, reading this because the way that you write is the way, in my opinion, that you speak. And traditionally, yeah. <laughs> those are quite different. Um, but being able to just sort of flow through these uh, chapters, I can hear your voice, you know, right. in the way you're, you're, you're writing. And so it's really, it's, it's really refreshing. There's not a lot of, yeah. there's no pretension involved in the delivery. It's just sort of matter of fact. And it was, it was really good. So I'm digging it, man. I, uh, actually Corvus actually told me the same thing. And, and I, this particular book, um, that was intentional. I, I like that kind of writing when I see it, but it depends on the situation. But I, I just yeah. kind of thought, especially because there's certain, there's probably certain phrases in there that I say to customers all the time. So it just kind of made sense to uh, to treat it as a kind of, and you know, yeah, I certainly write with a lot of sarcasm and and uh, snarkiness, <laughs> I guess too. But yeah, <laughs> that's fun yeah. though. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I recommend it to everyone. Sin the Skin by D.S. Wallace, Dorian Gray. Uh, thanks, man. That's that a lot of fun. Oh, thank um, you, man. All right. Well, everyone, that is going to do it for another show, and we do hope that you enjoyed it. We'd love to hear from you as well. Visit the website 9centspodcast.com and send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Let us know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. We're all over social media. Connect with us. You're going to get show notes, contest announcements, live episode, heads up. Uh, you can download the shows through Stitcher, iTunes, YouTube, uh, there's just a lot of different ways that you can get nine cents. And uh, I, I really recommend that you give us a rating or a review. Uh, if you don't, that's okay. Continue enjoying it. But if you do, we really do appreciate it. Of course, if you want to know a little bit something about Satanism or the Church of Satan, churchofsatan.com is the place you should go. The Satanic Bible, the Satanic Scriptures, you should be picking up and consuming as much as possible. Uh, we demand study, not worship here, people. And remember, mm -hmm. the only way we're going to continue doing this is via your interaction. Thank you for sharing it. Thank you for turning other people on. I've got listeners that aren't even Satanists, which is <laughs> fucking crazy cool, but uh, <laughs> it's just a testament you know, to what we're doing here. Once again, thank you for joining me. As always, I'm your host, Adam Campbell, being joined by... Dorian Gray. <laughs> Dorian Gray. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, man. It's it's a nice. We have a really good back and forth. I have a lot of fun with this. I always uh, like talking to you, man. Anytime. I think I'm gonna have you on again. Uh, you know, sometimes we have like five episodes in a month, just the way the month breaks down with the weeks, and uh, we're gonna have to talk about Star Wars or something sometime. How you know what? I was just thinking. You know, December. We might have a lot of Star Wars to talk about. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, that's going to be awesome. All right. Well, until we can chat again, my man, hail Satan. Hail Satan, man.